Well, good morning. Welcome to Senior Sunday. Senior, watch it. Senior Sunday <laughs> is a Sunday where we get to take time out of our regularly uh, scheduled service and we get to honor our graduating class of 2023. A lot of you guys showed up today. I'm glad to see you guys here this morning. Uh, my name is Jeremy Wittig, and I run the high school ministry here at Burke Community Church. Um, and the sermon that I have prepared for you guys today is a sermon that I cheated on a little bit because I started writing in my freshman year of college. Shortly afterwards, God taught me that lesson as I graduated college, and then he taught me the same lesson again halfway through seminary. And then shortly after getting married, I was taught the same lesson. The sermon that I've prepared for you this morning is a sermon that I believe we as Christians should be constantly reminded of throughout our walk as we read the Word and as we worship the Lord. As I told you the first time I heard or, or was taught this lesson was my freshman year of college. See, I went to a Christian university and I, I loved my time at this school. Um, and I can't complain too much because I met my wife there in the end, which is the whole reason why I was there in the first place. So it all worked out. There are a lot of benefits to going to a Christian university. For me, when I went to this school, I was able to attend worship six different times throughout the week. I was able to get plugged into local youth groups and able to serve there and even volunteer as a, as a youth pastor there as well. There were opportunities throughout my weeks where I was able to uh, serve and volunteer as a small group leader on campus. And then it got to a point where I ended up being in a position where I was training people how to lead small groups and teaching them how to do this as I myself was leading small groups. One of the opportunities that I got to have that I thought was unique in my experience throughout college was every Tuesday afternoon, as a part of the on-campus ministry that I was volunteering at, I was able to spend two hours in prayer. It was time where I was able to pray for myself, pray for my family, for the small group leaders that I was training. And this time was unique and special. And so there were many beneficial, ben, benefits of attending this Christian university. However, when you do decide to go to a Christian school, you will run into a difficult problem. And that problem, that difficulty, maybe a struggle that you'll go through, is when your faith, your spiritual disciplines, become merit-based. You see, I got to attend worship six times a week, but if I didn't go to four of those, I got written up. I was able to spend two hours in prayer every week, which I loved, but if I didn't go to that, I would possibly lose my job and have to write a three-page paper on why prayer is important. <laughs> and I want to reiterate at this point that I loved my time at that school, and my wife is beautiful. <laughs> But it didn't take time to notice that all of my spiritual practices had become merit-based. It was still a joy to read the Word. It was still a joy to worship. But there was always a looming reminder of the fact that those spiritual practices that I loved were also boxes I had to check. And this is where God taught me this lesson on grace. As Christians, we ought to be awfully cautious of this idea of merit-based righteousness. We struggle with this as a church. We struggle with this mindset that our relationship with God is only good when we've checked the boxes. That where I'm sitting right here on this senior Sunday morning, 
I, do, I base my relationship with God and how good it's going based on how well I check the boxes this week. And this becomes more difficult as the world operates under this merit-based righteousness. Seniors, you'll see this everywhere. Whether you guys go off to school or you go into the workforce, you guys will see the merit-based mindset everywhere you go. That you don't get the grades unless you do the homework. You don't get the job unless you have the degree. You don't get the body unless you go to the gym. You don't get the money unless you go to work. And you don't get the girl unless you do everything else that I've already mentioned, right? (laughs) Our world operates on this merit-based mindset. And it's not necessarily a bad way of operating. There's accountability and there's responsibility in the way that this merit-based mindset plays out. But the problem for us as a church is when we adopt this merit-based mindset into our personal relationships with God. Today we're going to watch Paul confront a church of Christians who have done this. They've brought this merit-based mindset that they learned from the world around them, and they brought it into their personal relationships with God. And we're going to see that Paul's response to this merit-based mindset, both to the church of Galatians and also to us as Burke Community Church, is to exhort this church to return to grace. That's what we're talking about today to return to grace. As you open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be reading verses 2 through 6. Again, that's Galatians chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. We're going to see three things. We're going to see that a neglect of grace is a neglect of Christ. We're going to see that change only comes about when we rely on grace. And finally, we're going to see that our relationship with God does not waver based on works. Let's start with that first one, that a neglect of grace is a neglect of Christ. We're going to start in verse 2 again in Galatians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. He says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. He reminds us, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. And he says to these people, he says, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Now, as I was prepping the sermon, I started to realize that, you know, I really get the opportunity to do this about once a year. And uh, today I do it especially to commemorate these seniors on a job well done and to send them off with a word of wisdom. And I realized that the only verse that I could think of was a verse on circumcision. So let me explain why this relates to our topic here this morning. You see, we know that circumcision was a requirement of the Abrahamic covenant. And this church in Galatia would have been well familiar with this law. They would have been well familiar with the way that things used to operate. But they would have also been well familiar, as they heard from Paul's ministry to them, as well as watching Jesus Christ's ministry, that this law was no longer applicable to them. And they were no longer required to follow it. And so the question is, why is this church following this law? And as I read the rest of this book throughout this past week, um, I saw a consistent theme that this church struggled with. And this theme is that this church was utterly convinced that Paul 
having ministered to them and shared the gospel with them, had left them half saved. They believed that step one was to be saved by grace through faith, but that step two was to earn that relationship and maintain that relationship with God through works. In other words, they believed that they were saved by grace, but that they were sanctified by their own works. They believed that in order to maintain a right relationship with God, they needed to work for it. And that's why Paul's response is so stark to us. He says when we bring in this merit-based mindset into our personal relationships with God, he says it severs us from him. He says that when we've done that, we'll find ourselves having been fallen away from grace. My final semester in Greek throughout my seminary season was an exhausting one. We were weeks away from my wedding, and I was driving nine hours every weekend to be with my fiance to plan this wedding, well, for her to plan the wedding and for me to do Greek and to just be with each other. We were overloaded by weekend classes and homework that would take me well into the evening. I remember thinking throughout this entire semester, week after week, I just got to get through this exam, or I just got to get through this class, or I just got to get through this wedding. And in the midst of this season, I remember throughout every prayer and every devotional time that I would have with the Lord, feeling this guilt and feeling this shame because I felt as though I was not giving enough to God. I remember feeling guilty because my devotional time had looked totally different from the devotional time I used to spend when I was in college. I remember finding myself in this stiff-armed position towards God because I loved him and I cared about my relationship with him and I wanted to grow in that relationship. But any time that we would get closer, I would start feeling more and more guilt and shame because of the time I wasn't devoting to him. And I share this because after a conversation with Jim Powell, who's an employee here and also one of my mentors, he showed me the very real truth in this verse, that when I pursued Christ with this merit-based mindset, with this mindset of earning a relationship with him, I'm actually severing my relationship with Christ himself. You see, we can't receive Christ until we're able to receive Christ's grace. If we can't accept Christ's grace, then we can't accept Christ. What I experienced was that by rejecting God's grace, I rejected himself. And that the truth is that our God is willing to empathize with us. In seasons of busyness, in seasons of stress, in seasons of change, our God is willing to get on our level and to meet us where we're at. And oftentimes we don't find ourselves willing to accept that. And by neglecting his grace, we neglect Christ himself. The second truth that we see in this section of verses is that growth only comes about when we rely on grace. This is important because oftentimes the reason why we find ourselves in this severed relationship with Christ is because we think that our sanctification is up to us. We have this mindset that the cross was the beginning and we have to finish grace. 
But look what he says again in verse 2. I'll read it again. He says, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ can be of no advantage to you. And Paul isn't saying that circumcision is bad itself. Because we know full well that Paul was circumcised. He's not speaking out about that act itself. He's saying that if we believe that Christ has saved us by grace, but that we are sanctified by our own works, then we will see no fruit in that relationship. We'll see no depth in that relationship. We'll see no growth in that relationship. That if we ignore grace and pursue sanctification on our own will, what does he tell us? Christ will therefore be no advantage. The KJV says he'll be of no benefit to us. Growth only comes about when we rely on grace. And Paul really drills this in early on in this letter to the Galatians. In chapter 3, he says this. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed and crucified. And he says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You see, we have this horrible conviction, as I mentioned earlier, that the cross was the beginning and that we must finish grace but growth in our relationship with Christ cannot take place apart from the grace of God. The third truth that we see in this section of verses before we close is that our relationship with God does not waver based on works. Let me read the rest of our section of verses that we're reading here this morning, starting in verse 5. He says, For through the Spirit and by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. This is our total sanctification, our total glorification when Jesus comes back. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything, but only faith working through love. Paul says that in the end, our works count for nothing. I want to share with you a John MacArthur quote on this that I think is really powerful. He says that our works are a product of our faith, not a substitute for it. Our works are a product of our faith, not a substitute for it. You see, our works are the outer, or, or sorry, our works confirm the inner working of God's grace in our life. That's all our works do, is they confirm that inner working. But our faith is what affects our relationship with Christ. I remember hearing this story from a pastor once about a wife who got into a marriage. And shortly after the wedding, the husband gave her this list of 25 rules that she was meant to follow. This included things about what she was supposed to wear, how she was supposed to speak, what she was meant to cook, and how she was to address him. It didn't take long for her to find herself miserable in this marriage trying and working so hard to accomplish all these 25 things that this husband had given her to follow. Well, years down the road, that husband had passed away and she met another man on the streets walking through London. And in this new relationship, 
She found herself extraordinarily happy and joyous in this new marriage. A few years down the line, she was looking through her old stuff and she found this list of 25 things that her late husband had given her. And as she reads these one by one, she's chuckling every time because she realizes that she's following every single one of those 25 rules for her new husband who hadn't demanded a thing from her. She realized she was following all of those rules simply because she loved him. And this is sad for me to read and should be sad for us to hear because we are in this second relationship with Christ. We are in that second marriage with Christ. And it's a relationship that does not come with a list of things you ought to do and to be in a right standing with him. It's a relationship that is free from legalism and fueled by grace. Yet throughout this relationship, you and I have concocted our own list of 25 rules that we feel we are meant to follow in order to maintain that relationship with him. And before long, without realizing, without being aware of what's going on, many of us have concocted a closer relationship with our list of 25 rules than we have with the God who we think demands us to follow them. Our relationship with God does not depend on works. Works are simply an outer confirmation of the inner work that God is doing. It's our faith, our faith that affects our relationship with God. So this is where you find yourself this morning. I have two exhortations for you. The first is to everybody. The second is more particularly to our seniors. The first application is to remind yourself of the simple gospel. Remind yourself of the simple gospel. There are a number of correct ways to present the gospel. And Jesus, you know, shares the gospel in different ways depending on the person that he's ministering to. But many times over, Jesus' simple gospel is a lot shorter than we think it ought to be. He says to Peter and to James and to John, his gospel presentation to them is come and follow me. To Zacchaeus, his gospel presentation was, hey, come down from that tree, let's hang out at your place. His gospel presentation to the five witnesses in John 5 is come to me that you may have life. The simple gospel is that God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. That's the reason why he came down from heaven in the first place. And so my application for you is to return to that same grace that saved you. Return to the grace that saved you. Seniors particularly, lean in to the grace that God has for you. Lean in to the grace that God has for you. You know, I've told you many times that college is just four years of transitions. Things are going to change. All of your habits, your comforts, your familiarities are going to be ripped from you. And if you think that you can attempt to live, you know, your Christian life in the same way you always have, you're going to find yourself in that place of feeling that guilt and that self-condemnation. 
And so my encouragement to you as you head off to the workforce or into an academy or into a school is to accept the gift of grace that God is offering you and to lean in to that grace. And remember what it says in Hebrews 4, that you do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with you. That your God cares about you. He cares about your emotions. He cares about your desires. And he cares about you. So lean into that grace and let him into your problems. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the truth that your grace is overwhelming. It is true and it is real to us. It's the same grace through which we were saved and it's the same grace that our relationship with you is bound. We thank you for your word and for your goodness. And we thank you for the accomplishment that these seniors have achieved. We pray these things in your name. Amen.